It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Bears and e-bikes were high on the minds of tribal council members during a recent government-to-government meeting of the Shitka Kwan and the Sitka Assembly. The two bodies gather twice a year to share a meal and to brainstorm ways to collaborate on everything from health and public safety to childcare to electrical infrastructure. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The October 23rd meeting of the Tribal Council and the Sitka Assembly was focused primarily on tribal issues. The Shitkaquan has an active committee structure that gives the council an exceptional ability to multitask. Councilmember Martha Moses outlined her committee's extensive research into Sitka's bear problem, which is concentrated in the Indian River neighborhood. Moses said her committee had obtained public records showing that the majority of the 99 tickets written by Sitka police for garbage infractions in 2021 were in the Indian River neighborhood. Ninety of them were written by a single officer. Of the 13 bears put down that year, however, none of them were put down in the Indian River area. Councilmember Lisa Way believed that too much emphasis from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game was now on protecting bears rather than protecting people and children. I think that we need to start working together to change this. And if we have to put pressure on the state, I think that's appropriate for both the city and the tribe to do. Our citizens up on Indian River, I mean, they're clearly living in the forest. It's beautiful up there, but we really need to start changing the way we handled it. E-bikes fell under the tourism agenda, but the tribe's concerns were primarily safety-related. A lot of summer visitors are riding e-bikes around Sitka who might not otherwise ride bikes, creating a potential hazard. Councilmember Louise Brady advocated for stricter enforcement of Sitka's existing regulations for bicycles. I walk a lot, both on the cross trail and when there are a lot of bears, I try to go out to Whale Park. I went out there, e-bikes. The wrong side of the road, the right side of the road, the sidewalk. And I understand we're a bike-friendly community, but at some point, I think the police need to be writing tickets. The e-bike issue generated many questions and few answers, but it pointed to a larger question, has Sitka exceeded a healthy capacity for tourism? Councilmember Elena Peterson said it was too early to tell. We do think, you know, that the community businesses should be given a bit more time to adjust to the increased load before we institute a cap. But, you know, with COVID and then one, two seasons, you know, it's, I think businesses are still trying to figure stuff out. Child care and schools also generated ideas. The tribe distributes hundreds of thousands of dollars annually in child care grants, but has been feeling frustrated recently about how to support schools. Last year, the Department of Education announced it was cracking down on communities that were contributing money over and above the funding provided by the state, called the base student allocation. Local governments contribute a large share of school funding, but it's only permitted for classroom instruction, and it's capped by state rules. Sitka Administrator John Leach said the city and tribe could look for ways to absorb non-instructional activities into their own budgets. The city has both the marijuana tax and now the additional 1% seasonal sales tax to devote to schools, and it was time to get creative. I'm, I'm looking at taking the maintenance folks from the school and combining with the, with the city in some way and, 
kind of sharing those resources. Parks and Rec is a great example. There's no more community schools now, so you never have the argument of like, do we pay teachers or do we do community schools? It's like, well, now it's the city's Parks and Rec program. Uh, the Blatchley pool is an issue, and we're looking at bringing that into our operation. So we're, we're really doing everything we can to absorb some of the non-educational things. Lastly, the tribe was concerned about Sitka's electrical grid as it looked to convert the Baranoff Island Housing Authority sixplexes on Indian River Road from fuel-fired boilers to heat pumps. In some cases, the tribe has been told the grid won't support additional conversions. Administrator Leach said that Sitka's transmission and distribution system was in need of serious work. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said maintaining existing service had become the electric department's top priority. Um, I think it's, it's a crossroads that we're at. It's a community discussion of where we need to go. Um, but I'm also reassured that we're one of 10 communities uh, in the United States that runs entirely off of uh, hydro. So while there is always more room for sustainability, uh, we are leaps and bounds ahead of most other cities within the country. So at this point, I'm, I'm a strong proponent of going back to the basics, focusing on the basics and making sure that your power turns on when you flip the switch. There was more on the agenda, but after two hours, Council Chair Woody Widmark decided to bring the meeting to a close. He said, the health and safety of our citizens, tourism, school and children, and infrastructure were probably our major points that we wanted to share with you. He suggested that any other issues could be taken up staff to staff or over a cup of coffee. The two governments will meet again in the spring. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. A historic downtown Juneau building that hosted the first territorial Alaska legislature is being demolished. KTOO's Yvonne Crumery has more. An excavator tore into a long, empty, historic building downtown on Wednesday. David McCasland, owner of Deckhand Dave's and the outdoor food court in the adjacent lot, bought the former Elks Hall building this summer. He says he was hoping for a different outcome for the building. Just let him know that I tried, that that was my main intention, and that the building was totaled and it wasn't, wasn't savable. McCasland hired Northwind Architects for the project. Shannon Crossley is an architect with the firm and a historic preservationist in Juneau. She's also on the city's Historic Resources Advisory Committee. So it sat uninhabited for, I think, three years or something like that, and it, the conditions in the building just got worse and worse, and so eventually it turned from how do we save this building to how do we uh, try to try to maintain the facade in some way, and then that wasn't feasible anymore. It was just a really sad story. Crossley says by the time the building changed hands, it was far too expensive to save any piece of it. McCaslin had a personal connection to the building. I actually worked in it like 10 years ago, and I remember like, being like, man, it'd be so awesome to own this building. This building is so sweet. McCaslin had been making offers on the building for years. Crossley said in that time, the conditions worsened. And because they couldn't agree on a price for that building, it just languished. According to the Alaska Division of Corporations, Business and Professional Licensing, Eric Emmert and Deborah Percy were the previous owners of the building. Attempts to reach them were unsuccessful. The building was built in 1908 and hosted the first territorial Alaska legislature in 1913. And then the first thing that they voted on was to give women the right to vote. 
On the first floor was a Turkish bath and bowling alley, and the second floor housed a ballroom. The third floor, where the legislature met for the first time, was removed in the 1940s, and the outside was renovated to the stucco look it had until its demolition. More recently, it housed the Rockwell restaurant and bar downstairs. Crossley says Gino's historic buildings hold the authenticity of the town. And when we lose that historic fabric, it's gone forever. So I would love to see more of a community investment in the historic buildings of Juneau. Crossley says public funding that supports preserving and using historic buildings would help prevent this fate for other sites. McCaslin isn't certain of his plans for the lot. In the past, he's publicly talked about creating housing and restaurant space. He says he's trying to figure out what's possible financially. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Alaska-based storytellers will take the stage today at Juno's Crystal Saloon to share what diaspora and belonging mean to them. The event, called Displaced, will feature writers of color from Juno and Anchorage. The idea came to musician Daniel Furman about 10 years ago in a poetry workshop. While his friend wrote about displacement of water, he immediately thought of his experience growing up in both Fairbanks and Fort Yukon, having a white father and an Alaska Native mother. What I want to do is to talk about that feeling of not being accepted between two worlds that really are one Furman says that he never quite felt like he belonged, that he wasn't ever white enough or native enough for either community. After Unseated, an event last spring that featured musicians of color, Furman pitched organizer Trip Krause the idea of doing a storytelling event. For Krause, the idea struck home, too. They're Ojibwe and grew up in Illinois with the non-native side of their family. Now they're in Alaska with friends who have their own experiences with diaspora. A friend of mine calls Juno the island of misfit toys, but it's a place where we all sort of get together and hang out and do fun things and put on a really cool event. Krause says there's no cover because they want anyone to be able to come without a financial barrier. Any donations will go to the artists. They haven't reviewed any of the stories or poems the speakers will read either, and there's just one rule. It must be original. I really wanted to speak from who you are. Other storytellers will include Ernestine, Sean Kathat Hayes, and Nami. Displaced is today at the Crystal Saloon at 8 p.m. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition.